The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you all back, but I'm even more excited about our special guest today. She is the president of Rehab at Homes Incorporated and also the host of the Real Estate at Work Meetup, Leica Dave. Thank you so much for joining us, Leica. How are you today? Hi, Cody. Thank you so much for having me. I am great. I had a great conversation with you, so I'm ready to do this. Yes, we we just found out you recently visited Charleston, which how we didn't cross paths, I don't know. We're a relatively small town compared to a lot of the big cities, but next time we know... I have a couple of recommendations for restaurants for you. I uh, absolutely love my time there. Love Charleston. We are very spoiled. I can promise you that. But thank you again for jumping on the show. Uh, just in case folks haven't heard your name, your voice, or, or found you on the interwebs yet, we always love to hear your origin story. So where you're from, how you got into real estate, and what kind of real estate you find yourself in these days. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up in India and I moved here about 15 years ago and I worked in merchandise strategy over at Nordstrom Corporate for a good eight years that I um, lived in this country for the first time. And in 2014, I discovered real estate accidentally and it got me super intrigued. And I started researching, you know, different ways of investing and having never heard of investing in real estate, it was just like eye-opening for me. And with it came this whole like concept of building wealth and building a legacy and passive income. And, and so I just dove in. I dove right in. I uh, started with fix and flip. I bought my first flip in 2014. And since then, I've done over 50 large-scale remodels. And those have morphed into sometimes a land subdivision, sometimes an addition, lots of buy and hold like rental rental doors in a pretty hot market like Seattle. And here we are today, just you know, done some cool stuff. That's awesome. No, I love it. Listen, we I, I didn't even know that aspect. I missed the we both spent a little time in retail. I work for a large retailer as well. So I, I love hearing about people's backgrounds and all the different aspects people bring into real estate. It's always amazing to hear. And I always like to echo it for our audience because it doesn't matter where you're at, you can always make the jump over and there's a lot of transferable skills, at least in my opinion. Like uh, you've been, had a great career. you got a lot of success. You know, I, I know you've talked uh, a lot on other people's shows and stuff like that. And that's where we found you on the stuff you did, but we came and brought you on to talk a little bit about something differently, which is the idea of some of the unsuccess that you've had, the struggles, the pains that you've had along the way that helped teach you the lessons to help you get to where you are. So want to see what comes to mind today for you on that topic that helped educate our audience. You know, I'm really glad that you're doing this podcast and it's geared towards the unsuccess because it's easy to talk about success and motivate people, but then it's also the, the things that people don't see in the background. There's every day I'm putting out fires. Every day there's something that's going wrong with my business that I have to tackle. And I think that's what ultimately leads to success is if you can get in the, in the I don't know, path of fire every day and extinguish it, then you can really accomplish anything you set your mind to. And so I'm so glad you're doing this. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Yeah. 
you know, for today's story, I wanted to think of like a flip that went really south. And it wasn't my first flip. It wasn't my second flip. It wasn't my third. It wasn't even my 35th flip. <laughs> it was like flip number 36 or 37. So okay. you think by then you're really established. Yeah. You got it you all figured have, out. You've got it figured out. You have your pipeline, you have your contracting team, you have the steps all lined up. So I ended up buying this house from the same wholesaler that I buy most of my deals from. So nothing wrong there. I bought it in a super hard location in a submarket of Seattle called Kirkland. Again, super hard. So nothing could go wrong. Location was amazing. And it was a really cute house. And I got it for a really good price. But then what happened was once we closed on it, the city did about 29 inspections on this house. The house was only 1,100 square feet. The floor plan was not the most ideal floor plan for the neighborhood. You know, there was just one bedroom downstairs with two bedrooms on the top. And it was just like not the most optimum floor plan. And then just the amount of time and inspections the construction project took meant that much more holding costs meant, you know, that much more time spent on construction. And we ended up hitting the market once it was ready, once the house was completely remodeled, it was so cute. We put it on the market at the absolute wrong time to list a property. Yep. And ended up sitting on the market for a good three months before we even had one offer. And what had happened with our city was, you know, there's a lot that rides on the tech companies that are around here. And there was stuff that was going on with Amazon and Facebook. And so the real estate market cooled off for a few months. And we put it on the market at exactly that time and ended up reducing the price almost 100K to what we'd imagined going into it for. And then I made a loss of, I want to say, 75K on this property. So did everything I thought right and ended up still making a loss so just really you know uh shield yourself for those situations so uh, that's interesting that i mean it's in the middle of 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 your career sounds like you're you're going through looking back at this property and, and thinking about it versus some of the ones that came after that were there any telltale signs kind of going into it that that you wish you would have looked at or explored more that were maybe screaming to take a look at that or maybe a little bit of red flags, or even yellow flags to say, Hey, this, this might not be the greatest time or the greatest deal. Uh, I would love to just pick your brain about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, even walking the house in the very beginning, I wasn't too thrilled that there were no bedrooms on the main floor. We were going to be able to create one bedroom, but that was it. So if you're buying a house in a very family forward neighborhood, you want to make sure that the the, the master bedroom is on the same floor as a kid's bedroom. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, if you're like, you know, renovating this house for a younger family and they have little kids and they can't have the little kids on the same floor, it just makes it super difficult for someone to buy that house. So I should have, you know, paid more attention to that detail. But also there were so many things out of my control. Like the city coming, you know, after us for inspections and being stuck with a really hard inspector, just 
the seasonality of the market and everything that that brought along, you know, it was a few things that I couldn't help. Looking back at like the inspector aspect, what, uh, do you know what maybe caused this particular inspector to be a little bit more stringent on this property than others? Was it, is, is that just that particular inspector's MO or was it something about this property that stuck out to them that, that made yeah. them want to do it? Or, or do you have any insight into what kind of caused some of that? Yeah, I actually do a lot of work in that city. So I know that there's a few different inspectors and this inspector is the most stringent. Um, he, you know, is super particular. And so he's just, that's who we got stuck with. So it's a little bit of bad luck, you know, and there's nothing that we could do about that. Well, I would imagine then what goes into your mindset after that is, okay, now you commit that to memory about that particular inspector. So, you know, if you you draw that straw again on another house, you can at least mentally prepare and maybe shift some things around and be a right. little bit more stringent yourself on controlling the environment around, hey, you know, we're going to do every, literally everything to the exact code at the exact time because that person's right. going to be that stringent as well. And that would probably help out. So that just goes to knowing your area, knowing the people in the community, knowing the yeah. kind of the real estate community as well. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I also want to bring attention to is just looking at my overall business and saying, OK, like if this is your first flip or your second flip and you're making a loss of like 75 grand, that's a huge hit for anyone's financial status. Right. And so like just making sure that you are not over leveraged, that you have enough money for holding costs, that you have enough money to make a loss, uh, to pay back your lenders. That's, I think, key. So when you're first starting out, like even, even though you are a successful investor, it's really important to say, okay, if I went south on a deal, would I still mm -hmm. be able to come back from it? You know, how would I mitigate my problem? And if it's your very first flip, which in most cases, that's what happens on your very first flip, you hardly make any money or you end up typically losing money. I lost money on my first flip too, because you're learning and it's like you're paying for that experience, right? Always make sure that, okay, if you can afford to buy a deal that is 700K, stick with a deal that is about 500K and you have that extra buffer to fail. That's a, that's a good point you bring out because I was going to ask, you know, especially in, in early phases of your career, like and the advice you would give somebody in the similar spot would be, you know, knowing your limitations and what space you can play in and maybe even backing that down a little bit so that knowing that you're probably going to either barely scrape by or even uh, fail a little bit on the property that you'll still be okay to go get the next one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. And, and I think it's just so important to understand your limitations when you're going into something like that. If you're completely new, then you're probably going to lose money on, you know, certain things like assets or just time in general, because you don't know how all the puzzle pieces will fit together in the real world. You've read about it. You've listened to it on podcasts. You've seen the YouTube videos. You, you've read all the books. But until you get in there and you're you're moving things around and, and this comes up in construction or that comes up, like you don't know how to move the puzzle pieces around to make it work to, yeah. to, to actually make a profit on it quite yet. Yeah, it's all the unforeseen, right? That you have to account for. And you don't know that when you before you even start a project because you're just you have to be optimistic. You're gonna say to yourself that everything's gonna go right. But you also have to be a little bit realistic, right? Like that things can maybe go a little bit south. How do you prepare like as a, as a new 
new person in real estate that may be listening to this, how do you prepare a little bit for the unexpected and mitigate some of that risk? Or what would be your advice for somebody like that? I think education is key. There's so much free content out there. Like, look at what you're doing, right? So just like, you know, keeping up with other people's experience can gain so much experience for yourself. Networking is another really, really important aspect. I feel like the more people you know, the more solutions you can find. And so I think, you know, whoever it is, like if it's an HVAC guy or it's a land use specialist or whatever it is, like the more networked you are, the bigger your tribe is, the easier your problems, you know, get solved. So I think those two things are so key. I, I think it was Brandon Turner I was listening to the other day. And it may have been on the on the show that you were on, that he said, it's not how you're going to solve the problem, but who's going to help you solve the problem. And, and that goes to your point around building your network and kind of your tribe of, well, if you know a lot of different people that can do different things, then they can help you accomplish or overcome the challenge that you're faced with. And it's not always, how are you going to solve it, but who's going to help you solve it? Help you solve it. Yeah. Yeah. Go listen or go read the book, The Who Not How. You don't have to know everything as long as you can find the right people to that know stuff to be able to help you get there. I, I, I know a lot of people in my life that either can do things or they know a person that can do things. And I, yeah. I will very strategically reach out to them. Yeah. And, and do that. But make sure that's not the only reason you're reaching out, folks. You want to make sure you're building that relationship and you're not just hitting them up for problems and challenges every time. Yeah, I'm a big believer in adding value first. So if you can add value first, then, you know, people are more inclined to help you up. I think of it like the relationship with like a traditional bank. You got to make, you got to put money into the bank, make those deposits before you make withdrawals. If you're trying to make withdrawals on an empty bank account, you're going to be in a lot of pain, a lot of trouble. Right. So, well, Leica, thank you so much for joining us. I think that that is a lot of good stuff for our audience to really digest and think about and knowing that as successful as somebody like Leica is that you too can, can be in the same situation, even midway through, or even at the tail end of your career, like anything like this can happen. So always be on the lookout, be able to mitigate risk and understand who can help you go get through this, not always just how you're going to get through it. So like for those that maybe do want to work with you, invest with you, learn from you in the future, where's the best place that people can find you? Yeah, um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is just Leka Devta, or you can find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's probably better for me. Yeah, just reach out. I'm happy to help or happy to connect you with someone. Perfect. Well, Leka, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honest, uh, honestly a pleasure and a joy to have you on. Thank you, Cody. Absolutely. So thank you. And thank you everyone for listening at home. We'll see everyone next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.